Welcome to episode 14 of the Hot Esquina podcast. Bienvenidos. Yo soy Enrique. Today I am joined by the ultra talented Julian Guillarte. We're going to recap the White Sox series, talk a little Nestor Cortez, El Orgullo de Hialeah, um, talk about if the Yankees are for real or not, and we'll preview the Baltimore series. And we'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Ahí va. Por el desfile. Olvídala. Esa bola cae en la, en la calle. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. And we're back. So, before we get started, let me welcome on my co-host for today. The very happy after last night, ultra-talented Julian Guillarte. Julian, how about them Rangers, baby? Yes, sir. You know, it's Rangers gang after what took place yesterday. A crazy win. I know we were talking about the Panthers, too, with their first series win in 26 years. But the Rangers get it done. I know we're a baseball show, but we got a lot of hockey ties here, especially since John's also going for Tampa Bay. So you two have the battle for Florida now. I'm hoping the Rangers get through to Carolina so I can see the winner of the Florida battle. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. Yeah, man. I, I know John will probably listen to this and, you know, he's probably right now as we speak listening to this part of the show and being like, go lightning. But uh, <laughs> nah, nah, it's it's got to it's got to be a Panthers uh, Rangers semifinal, man. It's got to be we got to hit up a game, Julian. It'd be awesome, you know, treat you to a beer down here in South Florida, man, or I'll make it up for To, to msg we got to do something man but uh yeah nah, bro no no more lightning that's it enough with the tampa bay lightning i'm sorry john but y'all have had your time in the sun bro it's our time <laughs> uh, I'll, i'll say something quickly i was rooting for them because they had a lot of the ex-ranger players so it was cool for a second to see the win but yeah i'm, I'm gonna root for florida here i want to see something different also um I mean, Tampa almost lost against Toronto, but they pulled it off. And then Florida had a fun series with the Capitals, too. Like, the first round was really exciting. I can't wait to see what the second round brings. Uh, it all begins tomorrow, bro. Let's see. Let's go, baby. Let's go. It, hey, it's a beautiful time of the year, right? You got playoff hockey. You got playoff basketball. You know, the NFL is making moves. You know, now it's the quiet period after they finish free agency. And the draft, so now everybody's just kind of waiting for a training camp to get started. And obviously, we got baseball season, which let's get right into it because we are a Yankees podcast, and uh, yeah. you know, it's um as much fun as it is to talk about playoff time. We got to talk about our boys. Who let me tell you, man, they look like they're gonna be in the playoff picture pretty soon. You know what I'm saying? Like if if they keep going the way they're going. I, I'm liking our chances for ring number 28, Julian. So for those of you that did not get to watch over the weekend, the Yankees once again took another series. Mm -hmm. They took three out of four from the Southsiders over the weekend, winning 15 to seven on Thursday. Luis Hill started this game going four innings pitch with five Ks, two walks. He allowed five hits and allowed four runs. The bullpen was great, except for Loiza guy. I don't know what's going on with him. I hope he can get his season turned around. And uh, offensively, Stanton and Judge carried the load. 
tallying 10 of the Yanks' 15 runs that day. Stanton himself went three for four with two home runs and six RBIs. He, <laughs> he had a night on, on Thursday night last, last week. Um, Friday, the Yankees won 10 to four with Stanton and Judge both homering again. Um, but the entire lineup contributed in this one with only Glaber and Jose Trevino not tallying an RBI. On the pitching side, Garrett Cole looked great uh, despite giving up three runs in it. You know, he went 6.1 innings pitched, only had one walk to his nine Ks and was overpowering Chicago White Sox hitters. Like he looked like the Garrett Cole that we all want him to be, especially with the contract that he has. Yeah. So that was really good to see. Then on Saturday, the Yanks lost a heartbreaker to the Sox um, with them walking it off in the ninth uh, off a roll. This Chapman who did not have it that night. You know, it was your typical role. This Chapman game that he has from time to time where he just did not have control. Yeah. And the Sox walked it off three to two after the Yanks tied it, you know, off their closer, which I don't know what's the deal with him, man. Like we seem to have his number like he's Liam Hendricks is a great closer. But every time he faces the Yankees, like we seem to have his number. And, Crazy. you know, yeah, yeah. And, and. I don't know about you, man, but, you know, I'm watching that game and I'm feeling good about our chances. You know, I thought we we were going to win it when we tied it off him. But, you know, it wasn't meant to be. Um, I mean, the Yanks really didn't have anything going in this game. Uh, their first didn't come until the eighth inning off Joe Kelly, former Red Sox Joe Kelly. We love beating up that guy. <laughs> yeah, we got him. We got him good this weekend. Yes, yes, bro. It was <laughs> he was walking the ballpark that first game, too. Like, he was <laughs> completely un unloading after two outs. But I like I agree with everything you're saying, obviously. Um, I think we're here to talk about baseball, right? I mean, hockey was fun, but it's baseball time. Yeah, man. Yeah, no. And and to 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 continue with with um with recapping that that series so you know we beat up joe kelly and then off liam Hendricks on the eighth man they it was a weird this was a weird game julian because you know usually you bring in your closer in the night but the white Sox felt you know when they saw joe kelly getting beat up they're like you know what let's bring liam Hendricks in the eighth and the yankees had a chance to take the lead off this guy in the yeah. eighth inning and give chapman maybe a chance to feel a little more confident off himself but for some reason IKF gets thrown out at third with with uh you know Kyle Higashioka doing his job getting the sack fly what the hell happened with IKF on that play bro it was awful I mean it was right in front of him I saw it happen live I was like wait why is he going for third base at first I thought he'd be good but then I was like they cut it off I was like oh they got him I'm like yeah. I'm like Gallo is easily gonna score he knows what that was a bad play he takes the bat and judge's hand too like just yeah. and judge owns Hendricks like I feel like it could have been a different outcome if he doesn't get thrown out at third base and then Chapman unravels. I mean, that was a frustrating loss, but I can't be too upset because we won another series. Uh, yeah. On a personal note, I did take the Yankees to win that day, so it was a little more upset than some other losses. So I was like, you got to be <laughs> so kidding you me. Didn't get to, you didn't get to win on two levels, man. Yeah. Of course, but I mean, happens sometimes. But, um, yeah, I mean. I mean positive, uh, sorry, Julian, I was going to say on the positive side, our pitching was good again. Monty oh, did good. Yeah, um, bro. I mean, Monty, no, we... Monty went 4.1 innings pitch with two – 
with only giving up two earned runs and and you know he had four Ks and three walks and Clark Schmidt and and Clay Holmes were great, man. I mean, the pitching was great. I just feel bad for for Jordan Montgomery. He continues to not get any run support on any of his starts, man. You yeah, know? and then you can't hit that with Keiko, which is really annoying. Gives you bad flashbacks yeah. of the Astros, Keiko. I mean, he's not that good anymore. Um, Montgomery uh, didn't have his best stuff, but you still don't score for him. It's just a crazy thing. And then even yesterday when Nestor Cortez, you get lucky because Kopech walked the ballpark one inning and they weren't hitting for him either until Gallo steps up late. But, like, at that point. No, go go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay. At that point, um, the game was basically decided. I mean, Clay Holmes was pitching the ninth. You were probably good either way. But Gallo starting to heat up. And then speaking of their closer, Liam Hendricks and the Yankees, um, they were saying the ERA was like over eight against the Yankees and like in the threes <laughs> against everyone else. I was like, that's a fun stat, probably yeah, higher man. now. But, um, we have his number. Yeah, well, the Yankees really do, sure. and especially Aaron Judge in particular. Mm-hmm. So you love to see that. And it's a crazy thing because we're about to play the White Sox again, too, uh, yeah. this yeah. weekend. And I'm going to be out there to see Nestor yeah. pitch against him again on the on the independent bobblehead night. So Speaking I, of... Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Cortez, bro. I mean, we got to keep going with Cortez. We talk about him every show, but he gives us more to talk about. His ERA is a 1-3. He's just been lights out. Speaking of Nestor, um, uh, to finish giving uh, our listeners that maybe didn't get a chance to see the whole series, um, in the f- series finale Sunday, El Orgullo de Jayalia, El Cubano, El Cubano de que, que vino aquí y hizo un nombre por él mismo, Nasty Nestor Cortez. Oye, papo, sigue haciendo tu cosa que tú estás acabando aquí. He outdueled the talented youngster that the Chicago White Sox have ultra hyped first round pick Michael Kopech going eight innings pitched and he only allowed three hits and one earned run and that was the homer it was bro it was great to see the guy had seven strikeouts no walks like you said his ERA is now 1.35 which is the lowest in the American League and the second lowest in Major League Baseball my friend O sea, el socio está en fuego, en fuego. O sea, I, I am so impressed by what this guy has done. We'll get, we're we're going to get into him in, in a little bit. Like, we'll do a little deeper dive on Nestor Cortez in a moment. But, um, yeah, man, like, you know, he, he outdueled. You talk about a guy that literally came to the league, was not a first-round pick by any means, you know, got assigned to waivers, bounced around, went to Baltimore, went to Seattle, comes back, and now, you know, to outduel a hyped, high draft pick like Michael Kopech the way he did, it was great to see. And um, and on an offensive note, because, you know, if I can't give a recap without at least giving one offensive note, Joey Gallo hit his fifth home run that game too. So good to see him finally seemingly turning it around but uh you know <laughs> offense aside man the the story of the day yesterday was Nestor Cortez and and rightfully so like what do you think about Nestor man you know we can dive right in and and start our next segment and let's get it let's get a deep dive into El Orgullo de Hialeah Nestor Cortez what do you think I mean, of 
I'm running out of words to describe Cortez at this point. I don't even know what else to say. Like, I just can't believe I continue to watch each time he takes the ball. Like, you think he's going to have a drop off. He almost throws a no hitter. And then he still goes out there and dominates again and again. Like, he's not slowing down. Um, The one thing I'll say is he, like you were talking about, the no walks is huge. He consistently pounds his own. You're seeing 0-1. You're seeing 0-2. He's getting the ball. He's throwing it. Like, we talked about last time. Like, He's doing all this quirky stuff. Like, he's getting his breaking pitches in there. Like, everything's firing. No one has any answers on how to hit this dude. Like, he's he's topping out at 93. Like, you're talking about Kopech, the stud, like, throwing close to, like, 96-100, who was, like, this is a big package for Chris Sale, like, the headliner of Yamankata. So, um, I mean, it's just great to see this stuff. And Cortez, he just – he's a story, man, and I just can't – I don't even know how to say it anymore. I'm just like so overwhelmed by like what he's done. I'm, like no one expected this. And he just continues to go out there to fight the odds each time he takes the ball. Like it gives us something else great to talk about. Like it's obviously going to slow down. Like he can't pitch this high the whole year. Like he's not going to have any array in the ones. But at the same time, like it's just something like we haven't really seen. I mean, listen, you never know. If, if he keeps going at the rate he's going and, you know, consistently going about his routine and the way he carries himself game in and game out and, and his preparation, you never know. Maybe the guy could, you know, wind up staying around this, this, you know, level of, of efficiency all year round. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he won't have a 1.35 ERA, but yeah, maybe no. he could finish the year with like a two ERA. Even if he does like something. low twos or like mid twos, yeah, I'd, ju- I'd be just as forward and like, he would end up being the second best starting pitcher. I want to dispel one notion. Like, I don't think he's people are saying he's the ace, like he's better than Garrett Cole. Like, I'm not gonna go that far at this point. I mean, yes, he's pitched better, the numbers look better, but I think everyone needs to take a deep breath and touch with that talk. Uh Garrett Cole's still the ace. Like, let's not think, let's yeah. not get that confused. I mean, he is, he is, man. But I mean, I, I don't blame people for getting, you know ahead of themselves in that way and and having that notion because you know stat wise Nestor has pitched better than Garrett so yeah, he far. Has. you know yeah. it, we all know who the ace is and we all know who the Yankees bread and butter is is you know what I'm saying it's Garrett yeah. Cole like that's the guy that they're gonna ride or die with come playoff time but yeah bro when your quote-unquote number five starter is pitching better than your ace that's a hell of a story. So oh, no, I'm not mean, trying to downplay that. I think it's absolutely crazy. But someone text sends me a message. I'm like, when Cord says get the ball game water, Garrett Cole. I was like, slow your roll a little bit. He's like, maybe game two. I'm like, yeah, maybe game two. <laughs> like, El cubano no está haciendo orgulloso, Julian. He's making us proud, bro. He's. Oh, I know. I, For I'm those so... of you that don't know, me and Julian are fellow Cubans, so we're we're loving this, seeing uh, our fellow countrymen making us proud like this. Yeah, and he won the lottery to get over there, apparently, like with his father when he was like young or something, like he's a five the odds. Like, whenever you get over here, it's always tough. So we love to see the success story, especially in baseball, because they do a great job in baseball with a lot of great players to represent us. So that's always great to see. The American um, dream, bro. He's yeah, 100%. And Cortez is playing his way into a decent contract extension by the Yankees, too. We talked about that a little bit. Um, but what do you got? Actually, speaking, he's playing his way into that. Actually, is a perfect segue to our next segment, which is about Nestor Cortez. And I have a question for you, Julian. And and uh, I've seen this floated around on Twitter, and 
I figured it'd be a good topic of conversation for this episode. If he continues to pitch like this, do you see Nestor as a possible Cy Young candidate, bro? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say no. If I mean, if he holds this up, like he's actually on the board now, like when you go to bed, which is crazy because like whoever would have thought that before the season, I think he's like plus 1800, but I think those odds are going to lower and lower as he's doing better and better. But I mean, yeah, bro. I mean, I can't deny it. He is technically the best pitcher in the American League. I think his war is like ninth or something in the league right now, like amongst pitchers somewhere around that. But I'm just so impressed, man. Like, I don't know if he's going to maintain this pace, but like if he if he holds up, he has an ERA like in the low twos and then he ends up getting like 10 or 11 Ks per nine. Like he'll be in the running, I would think. Like that's a that's a good Cy Young season potentially. Uh, I'm just like I said, he's got 49 Ks and in 40 innings now. His whip is below 0.9 at this rate. And the Ks per nine, which I like to do, it's still at 11. So, yeah, bro, I mean, he's getting these hitters out. His deception is quirky. This, everyone's off balance. Say. The other thing is I think it's an interesting thing. Is since he doesn't uh, supply the velocity, it's harder to hit it out because he's not throwing it as hard. So I think that's another reason why you don't see him, like, give up that many homers. Like, one of my friends jinxed me yesterday. He was like, oh, he's going to give up any homers. And he gave up the bomb. I was like, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, and, and and even then, even then, his look, his ERA plus is two seventy right now. I know you already touched on his WHIP, and we touched on his ERA. His FIP is a good two point four five right now. Yeah. Uh, in in forty innings pitch, his opponents are batting one sixty four against him with wow. a two seventy nine slugging and a five oh four OPS. That's his crazy. strikeout ratio thirty two point five percent. Walk ratio only seven point three percent. Yeah, and he I gets mean, it on the, the ground too. Up. I, I was gonna say he's only given up twenty three hits and six certain runs. I mean, bro, that's insane! And forty innings <laughs> pitched. Are you kidding me? I know. I can't believe it. And um, his ground ball rate's really high too. He gives up thirty six percent ground balls, so that's why he's keeping in the yard too. Like if when when they're making contact, they're grounding it into people. And everyone knows the right positions to play with all the shifts and how we do our defense now. So that's working well. Also, another note, his Sierra is a 2.71. That's another one that shows he's doing pretty well. So he's pitching a little bit above that. So like it's, some regression is going to be natural because the one three five is unheard of. But it's going to it's going to be great to see him just continue to do this. And But it will be interesting to say how he does the White Sox the second time that they're going to see him again. Like, I want to see how that's going to look because they're going to be able to see what happens and, like, adjust off it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. What what I like, though, is that, um, if I'm not mistaken, the series is uh, at Yankee Stadium yeah, this time. Yeah, it's going to be so, at home. Yep, we're, yeah, we're, so, so Nestor will have that home field advantage. You know he's going to have the fans – you know, rocking and oh, it's and gonna be a great day around. because it's Andy Pettit Bobble head day too. Yes. So yes. it might be a nice sellout for a Friday night to see Nasty Nestor close to it. That'd be sick. Uh, I am gonna end up out there, so I'll definitely try to get some good content for that. Get um, me a get me a bobblehead, bro. Come on. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, those are gonna be tough. I'll try my best, bro. <laughs> I'm gonna have to scrounge, but uh I'm I'm happy where this team is at. And I know another question you want to talk through, and now we'll get to it now. So 25 and 9 is this Yankees team for real. So, like, mm-hmm. what aspects of real are we talking about? I think we can both agree they're gonna be a playoff team. Are we talking about a real World Series well, contender? I'm assuming. Well, no, no. I'm just saying, like, are they real as in, you know, 
are they as good as their record indicates? Oh. Is their record mm. misleading given the people they beat? So for a little context on that, um, the Yankees have one series against Boston, Detroit, Toronto, Texas, and the White Sox so far. They've swept Cleveland, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Toronto, and they lost the series against Baltimore and split versus Toronto. Yeah. Boston is 13 and 21. They're bad. Baltimore, 14 and 21. Obviously bad. Toronto, 18 and 17. I think they're better than the, the record shows. The, the White Sox and Cleveland are both 16 and 17 right now. Kansas City, 12 and 20. Terrible. Detroit, 12 and 23. And Texas, 14 and 19. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't got to be a mathematician or a math whiz to know that. You know, if you look at the combined win-loss records of the teams we've beaten, it's, well it's going to be a lot more losses than wins. Yeah. So, you know, I got into this to this topic of conversation with one of my friends the other day, and I just thought it'd be a good topic of conversation to bring up on the podcast because, you know, this buddy of mine, he was all hyped. He was all like, bro, we can't be stopped. We're the best. You know, I can't wait. You know, this is the best team I've seen. And I told him, whoa, 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 they're good. But remember who we've beaten. You know, I feel like, you know, and I know off off air, we we discussed this. And you said that Sweeney Murdy, who does a great job for WFAN, also brought this up that honestly, the Yankees haven't really been tested yet. No, and I I tend to agree. I think we haven't been tested yet, and I this coming month of June is gonna be a really good test and a really good barometer to see where the Yankees are. Where do you fall in line with this take, Julian? Yeah, so I brought up the thing with Sweeney. He made some good points. I think Toronto's 19 in offense. The Guardians' offense is actually better than people think. They rank third in the American League in OPS and uh, runs. I mean, the record's not great, but they are hitting better than people thought. Um, I will say a couple of things on this topic. I think that Toronto is better than the record indicates. So I don't think those are soft wins. The six and three against Toronto, I still view as a significant thing. I think most people could agree with that, especially because they beat us up last year and we're doing a better job in the division. I am really surprised how bad the Tigers have been. I actually thought they'd be a lot better this year. Um, and then the Rangers are the Rangers, the Royals are the Royals, the Orioles, you got to be too. So We'll we're, see we're when it's a bad in this upcoming series. It better be a sweep. I know we're gonna, yeah, talk about and we'll get to that bit, too. But, uh, yeah. And like you said, I think the litmus test is like it is coming. And I'd said off the air, and I with Stacy yesterday too. We did the bad flips podcast, everyone can check that also. Another plug here, but um, we were talking about Tampa Bay being the litmus test for the Yankees because they're only four and a half out now. And that, and they're still playing good despite the Yankees' record. Tampa's not too far behind, so that's definitely something worth worth checking into to see if they could end I mean, up. Not just Tampa Bay, man. I mean, look at this. You got literally at the end of the month. At the end of this month, you got Tampa coming up, which is going to be a good litmus test. You got the Angels coming up, which I know you wanted to talk about them in the last podcast, but we didn't get a chance to, you know fit that in we'll but get the them angels today are playing really good <laughs> you play you actually play tampa a good six times next month in june 
And uh, obviously, you got the four game set with them at the end of this month. So that's so it's coming. Yeah. So that's a good 10 games against Tampa to see what what you're all about against them between the end of this month and in June. And then you, you play a Minnesota team who, you know, I don't know what their record is right now, but I feel like they've been doing better lately. Um, I could look that up really quick, but um, yeah, man, that, and you play Toronto three games next month as well. So, and, and like, you know, like you said, they're, they're better than the record indicates. And I tend to agree with that. So I feel like June is going to be a much more, you know, telling sign of where this team is as opposed to April and May, at least May so far, because as, as I just said, at the end of May, it's going to get a lot more difficult. I couldn't agree more, bro. I really couldn't. I think it's all correct. What you just said, uh, thank And we'll see how we navigate this White Sox and Orioles stretch as well. Again, just kind of handle business there. By the way, I just looked it up. Minnesota's actually in first place in their division, 20 and 15. So I stand by my statement. Minnesota's going to be a good litmus test too. No, I agree with that as well. Like they might be the class of that division. The White Sox are very banged up. It might be a twin year to win that division again. Um, I know their hitting's really good, even though Sanchez and Gio haven't really gotten it done. Royce Lewis has been a good story for them. Uh, Carlos Gray has been a little banged up again, but um, they're pitching to me. I got to see a little more. I guess we'll see how that looks. And yeah, but you know what? Here's another point of discussion that we can get to. The American League is weak, bro. I don't think yeah. it's really it's not it's a product of the league we play in. Like, there's not that many great teams in the American League. By the way, one other team I forgot to mention that we play in June, which speaks even more to my point that June is going to be the real barometer of where this team is. We play Houston four times mm-hmm. in the month of June. I was waiting and for you to get to in that first place right now. Yeah, um, we know how those series go, and they did win 11 straight, and JV looks like old JV, unfortunately, and mm-hmm. they're figuring it out without Correa, obviously, so it's going to be another fun battle with them. It always is after everything that's happened with them. You always want to beat them, so you want to see the Yankees stand up, and you want to at least go 500 in those games we've discussed to show that this team's real, because if you can play 500 ball against that, and then you beat up on the bad teams, you'll end up getting a really good record. So, which, which, let me tell you, the only bad teams we play in that month, you got three against Detroit, you got three against the Cubs, and you got three against Oakland. Other than that, every single game you play in June is going to be a difficult one. So, my stance is, and I said this to my buddy off air that that brought this conversation up. I'm not saying that I'm discrediting how good this team is. I'm very happy with the year we've had so far. I'm very happy that we're in first place. And, you know, I'm very happy with the performance, both from the pitching and from the hitting. I'm not discrediting any discrediting any of that at all. What I am saying is let's not get ahead of ourselves and say, oh, this is murderer's row or, oh, this is the best pitching staff ever because, again, you haven't been tested yet, you know? So, I mean, I don't know if you fall in line with that with that stance, Julian, but that's just my take. Like, I, I want to see us do it against the teams we mentioned just now. 
What do you I'm going to toe the line in the middle. I'm not, I, I like where this team sits, but I understand the battle tested theory. They need to go through the gauntlet still they haven't at all. Um, I'm, I think they're more than capable, but I do think some regressions coming in the pitching staff, just because a lot of guys are pitching numbers that aren't like realistic to hold up. Like Clay Holmes comes to mind. He's been so good. You know, some he's going to give something up eventually. Like he won't just keep doing shutout innings, although we might think he will at this rate. But well, why is it good? I'm interested to see what's going on. I mean, I tried to look at his his stuff on baseball savant. I mean, the stuff looks okay. I don't know exactly what the issue is. Um, I guess it could just be like people figuring him out, maybe. Um, who knows? But um We'll see what happens. Chapman is a little bit worrisome in those late in situations still. I know he gave up his first run, but he's had some a lot of close calls. You never know what's gonna happen with him, unfortunately. I mean, I think a topic worth discussing is the closer role. Like, are you okay with having a closer by committee type thing in situations? Or do you want Chapman always hold the ball in the ninth inning? Like, how do you what do you want? I feel like you ride or die with Chapman, man. I mean, oh, you still want to ride or die with him? I feel like you have to. It's not that I want to. It's just I feel you have to. Like, that's your guy. That's your guy. And that's going to be your guy come playoff time in a big, you know, high leverage situation. That's the guy you're paying for that situation. You know, whether it be, you know, a close game in the eighth where he needs to get a four out or five out save or, you know, the close game in the night that he needs to shut down. Like, that's that's what you're paying him to be, you know? He hasn't been that guy recently. I get it. He's shown flashes of that guy. But then he has games like, you know, the one we talked about over the weekend where he just has no control on Saturday night. So, I mean, the inconsistency worries me. But at the end of the day, I've seen the way this guy can be when he's on his A game. You know, both me and you as Yankee fans have seen it. And I feel like you know, until he's no longer contracted by the Yankees, whether that's next year when his contract is up and they decide not to renew, or if he's one day traded until that day comes, that has to be your guy in the ninth. No questions asked. I don't know because I could, I'm okay with doing the committee a little bit because I don't want to have him cost us games. I mean, and this is last year. So it's not like you have to worry about a long-term sour relationship because he's not going to come back. Probably they're not going to pay him. Someone else will pay him. I don't know if you, I don't think you would get traded because I feel like you still need him this year, but um, I'm okay with like rolling it a little bit, like switching it up. I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying removing from the closest role, but I don't think he necessarily has to get every save chance. I agree. I agree. I mean, look, if he continues to be as, you know, inconsistent as he's been, or, you know, if he shows you that he's on a slump where, you know, you see a bunch of games in a row where he's not being the guy that you expect him to be, the shutdown guy you expect him to be, then yeah, you know, maybe you put him on a short leash and you give, you know, I don't know, a Loise ago or a King or a Clay Holmes, a, a chance to close while Chapman works his stuff out. We've mm-hmm. seen that in the past too, yeah. where, you know, they, they'll they slowly work him back into the closers role while he fixes and tinkers with his mechanics or, you know, whatever is plaguing him mentally, you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes it's all between the ears. It's not really a mechanic. Yeah, like thing. I do want him to succeed and end up getting us to that World Series. I do want him to end up closing it out, hopefully. But I'm not willing to risk all that to blow a game either. So he's got to make sure he's on point. No, so that's why I'm saying. So if he's if he's showing you 
that he's not there. And, you know, it's been two or three outings in a row that, that, you know, you just see he's not there. I wouldn't mind, you know, them relegating him to seventh or eighth inning roles while he works his way back up, you know, while he earns the trust of Boone and, you know, the pitching, the pitching coach, Matt Blake. And yeah, until he does, until he earns back that confidence, I don't mind him being worked back into that role if that's what it takes. So I agree with you. I don't think you need to necessarily have him in the ninth and have him cost you games if he doesn't have it. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that when it comes time for October, when it comes time for games that matter, that's going to be the guy you're going to need to rely on, not Clay Holmes, not Michael King, and you know, not, definitely not Johnny Lasagna with the way he's pitching. So he's going to have to get right, man. He's going to have to get right one way or another, especially before October comes. I agree with that hundred percent, bro, but Hey, let's focus on the positive thing. So we got a serious opportunity here against Baltimore. The only series we lost this year is somehow against the Orioles. So let's fix that up. Make sure we don't lose any more series to them. Two games, um, Early on, four and two, they did return the favor and sweep them at least. But now you're going to get Severino and Kyle Bradish for Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And Bradish has pitched 17 innings. His ERA is a touch over four, and he's at 16 Ks. Sevy's been our worst start. I feel bad saying that, but it's been him by a little bit. I know it's he's rehabbing a little bit, so I'm not going to kill him, obviously. His ERA is over four, but the one positive is that he has 31 Ks in 28 innings. So I think that's something positive with Luis Severino. Uh, I, we know it was going to take some time for him to get back together, and this should be a yeah. good chance for him to get in back together and lower that ERA a little bit and get the ball rolling. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm not worried about Luis Severino in the slightest. Um, this is a game you should definitely win tonight. Uh, he's the better pitcher. Uh, Kyle Bradish, uh, for those of you that don't know, he's he's a rookie. He's literally just starting his career this year with Baltimore. So, I mean, you should beat up on this kid, you know, just because of the fact that you got a kid who's a rookie who, as you said, 4.24 ERA going against Luis Severino, who, yeah, his ERA is what it is, but it's not because of lack of talent or because he can't pitch. It's, you know, all the things you said, he's working his way back. You know, it it wasn't going to be, just an easy transition back into a starting role. Let's not forget that the last time we saw Luis Severino pitch before this year was out of the bullpen. He was still trying to work his, his way back as far as like getting stretched out properly enough to be a starter. So, I mean, come on, man, this is a game you got to win tonight. Like for sure. Yeah, it's a process with Seve, but some positives are Sierra and Fib is a 3-4 and like 3-7, so mm-hmm. you're going to do to see those numbers come down and touch. Like, tonight's a good time to get that rolling. Yankees lineup is a little yeah. interesting tonight. Aaron Judge gets the night off. I mean, all right, if you're going to rest him, rest him against Baltimore. It makes sense. I mean, um, yeah. and then you're going to have Aaron. Do you like this whole Aaron Hicks and the nine whole thing? They're really starting to do this more. How do you feel about this? I mean... <sighs> I I'm not against it uh, solely because it kind of gives you that quote unquote 
leadoff hitter type, like, you know, when the lineup rolls over, because we've said this from the beginning, from earlier episodes where, you know, we were previewing the season. We were saying about Aaron Hicks and how he's so good as far as like setting the table. You know, he takes walks. He's not the type that will be a sure out. So you need that at the top of the lineup. You need a good on base guy. Aaron Hicks is a good on base guy. So, I mean, bro, at the end of the day, when you got him in the bottom of that lineup, it could set things up for the top, especially let's just say he gets on base and then, um, you know, you got the top of the lineup doing their thing and getting on base. Then it sets up things perfectly for judge and Stanton and, you know, Rizzo and, and uh, Donaldson and guys like that, that can, DJ, you know, I got yeah. the machine shirt on for, but um, yeah, DJ, well, I, mean, uh, I was saying, I was saying <laughs> those guys because they're the power hitters. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, DJ, I don't consider a power hitter. I'm, right. I consider him one of those table setters. And that's what I mean. You know, when you got DJ and, you know, like we said, Aaron Hicks and guys like that, they set the table for the other guys. It's a beautiful thing. So, you know, I mean, I'm not against it. it. Yeah, bro. I like, I don't mind it either. And Trevino hitting eight now. Um, I, Isaiah kind of flippers in there and, the Lions regular, except Judge, you're going to have DJ DHing. So that's what they're going to do tonight. No reason not to win, even with Judge sitting, obviously. Um, we're going to check out some Twitter questions now. I, mean, I know I'm some... not gold before we do. I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Donaldson hitting second. I think we've already tried that, you know, with him either leading off or hitting second. I don't think, I don't think he's meant for that. I think he's meant for more of the bottom of the order, uh, middle of the order. I'm sorry. And, um, but yeah, man, like I said, like, think about it. Look, you're looking at today's lineup. You could potentially have a situation where say, even if Trevino doesn't get on base, right? You got a situation where if Hicks gets on, then that gives LeMahieu a chance to move him over. And then if you got LeMahieu and Hicks on Donaldson at worst, at worst could give you a sack fly. And then you got Rizzo, Stanton, Torres, yeah. But you got you got the power hitters coming behind it. So that's why I like, like I said, the whole Hicks thing because it rolls the lineup over better as opposed to, you know, a Trevino batting last where, you know, lately, let's face it, lately him and Higgy have been automatic outs. So yeah. you like that rollover effect, you know? Well, speaking of that, it's a great transition because our good friend Anthony Jacques asked a question about the catching situation. Um, Anthony's a loyal listener to our podcast. He's a great supporter and friends of ours. So he's asking about that situation. Like, will the Yankees make a run of the Wilson Contreras type uh, or someone in that ilk? And to be honest, I'm torn on this situation because I love how the defense is looking and it's making a big difference in the pitching staff, but these guys are automatic outs. Like, can you go through the whole season having your catchers hit this poorly? I'm not sure. It's going to might be tough, but they could maybe if everyone else carries the weight, that means Hicks and Gal are going to have to step up and they're going to have to carry that weight if the catcher not hitting. I mean, you could make a run of the Contreras, maybe, um, maybe even um, someone that's been, we've mentioned before, actually, I don't know if I have to you, but Kelly from the Diamondbacks, Carson Kelly might be interesting. Um, 
Sean Murphy, I think, is going to cost too much, honestly. Contreras is the one that makes sense because he is the offensive catcher. His defense is not as good as those two, though, so he would lose something back there. But um, you could always do the late-game replacements if you had to. And Contreras can also play a little first or outfield, too, so he has a little versatility. It might make some sense to go get him. I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'd be against it by any means, as long as the price is right. I mean, look, man, you're forgetting. And by the way, thank you, Anthony. Also, I, I also want to thank you for the question, man. Uh, thank you for your support for the podcast. Uh, and to any of you that are supporting us, we appreciate you. Um, you're forgetting that there's still one guy that we haven't seen this year yet, Ben Rortvet, who's on his way up. So what happens if Ben Rortvet comes and he impresses? Mm -hmm. Then the Yankees will feel like they don't need to trade well, for a catcher if well, Ben Rortvet earns the spot. Well, here's the thing with that. Um, I didn't forget about Ben. We were always going to talk about him, but you got you beat me to the punch. So here's he got another setback though. So when are we gonna see him? His rehab stops again. I mean, I don't know what the story is. And he didn't even get past Tampa. And the catching depth down there is crazy. Um, he will end up being a triple A, I think, whenever he finally figures everything out. But I don't know when that's gonna happen. Are we even gonna see him up in the majors this year? Like, I'm not sure. See, I, I wasn't aware that he had a setback. That's really unfortunate for him. Um, but I mean the Yankees did make it a point to ask for him in that Gary Sanchez, Gio yeah. Urshela trade for a reason. Like they obviously believe in the kid. Um, you know, I feel like the only reason they even traded it for Trevino was because Ben Rortvet was hurt. Otherwise right. the Trevino trade would have never happened. So that's, that's the guy they believe in, you know, that's the guy they want. They, they were planning on going into camp. I believe Meredith, Meredith Marakovitz even said this during one of the broadcasts that she spoke to him at, um, during spring training and he was excited about entering the season as, you know, either the starter or the platoon starter with Kyle Higashioka. So, I mean, the guy pretty much was assured that he was going to start the season on the major league roster until unfortunately he got hurt. So well, no, I mean, he was always the problem is he was hurt when they traded for him, though. So there's a lot of things going on with this. Like there's a lot of moving parts he thought, here. But he thought that he was gonna no, he he got hurt after the fact, Julian. No, it was I before, believe. like they knew that they I think it just didn't progress how they thought it was because they knew he was injured when they traded for him. He never appeared in the Yankees camp, really. Like we never saw him, I don't think. But um they said he was injured that. when I mean, they made it. I, I have to look it up, but I believe he got hurt after. Like, like he was fine, and then he got hurt after um, How the trade fine happened. Did, uh, Cashman said he knew. I got to find. You know what, Julian? Maybe you're right. Maybe Cashman mm -hmm. did know. I just Maybe saw Cashman he, did yeah, know he knew, before. He did. But listen, the matter of the, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, we still haven't seen the guy at the end of the day. That's the point. We still haven't seen the guy. We still haven't seen what he could do. Um, if my response to Anthony's question is everything will depend on Ben Rortvet, I feel like that's just my take. Like everything will depend on him. If he's not ready to come back or if he continues to have setbacks and we do not see him on the major league roster before the trade deadline. 
then maybe I could see Cashman swinging a deal, even though, let me tell you, with the way the Yankees have been, you know, as far as how stingy they've been with their prospects, I don't even think they could swing a deal for Contreras, man, to be honest with you. Because no, they I feel like the Cubs will ask for plenty of top prospects, you know? I don't think they'll ask for bottom or middle-tier prospects, you I know? Mean, and here's the thing. Go ahead, though. No, no, uh, my bad. Um, and and not only that, but like you said, and and I'll finish with this, and and you can go ahead and and get to your your point that you were gonna make now. Why would they make a trade for essentially another Gary Sanchez when this is the reason they made the trade with Minnesota because they were tired of the offense and no defense catcher, the the catcher that gave you plenty of offense and pop, but gave you nothing behind the plate. They don't want another guy like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things here. I think the Cubs are going to be hard-pressed because it doesn't look like they're going to resign him, so they're going to have to settle and deal him for something. I don't think you're going to get, like, huge return for him. It's not going to be a garbage return, but, like, I don't think it's going to be, like, that overwhelming. But the other thing is, like, towing the line between the offense and the defense is really where this debate is right now because you're going to have to weigh can you afford to not have these catchers hit do you need some offense from your catchers that's going to be the big question and I think Contreras isn't quite as bad as Gary Sanchez back there but he's not great by any means either so I understand that point too uh it's going to be interesting I think it's a good problem to have right now because that's like our biggest issue at this point so I'm not too worried about it right now do you I'll agree? Say, do you agree with my take that you know if let's just say Ben Rortvet does come back up and they like what they see, then they they won't be as inclined to trade for a catcher? Like, yeah, I would say that's a true thing. So I'll hit these quick. Marianne asked about the judge contract extension. I'm just gonna say the same thing. I don't think we're gonna hear anything till like this season's done. I don't there's nothing new with it. I mean, his value is going up. I mean, I guess that's what's new. He's putting together an MVP type season. So I guess we could say that. And then she asked about the baseballs. I don't know what's going on with that. I have no answers or ideas what they're doing with those. But yeah. Yeah, with with Judge, forget it. You're not even going to hear a peep out of it during the season. He made that clear before he set that self-imposed deadline. Like, look, if, if we don't come to an agreement before first pitch of the season, I'm not talking during the season. And I feel like Judge is a man of his word. And yeah, you're we can pretty much forget about even hearing rumors until the end of the season comes. You know, I feel like the off season is where you're going to hear all that talk ramp up again. And and as far as the baseballs, I don't have anything to say on that either. You're not going to get any rumor. You'll get it. If it's done somehow, then you'll get that. That's about it. I mean, I'll say this. I think it's a slight to low chance, but if the Yankees came back to judges agents, they're like, Hey, we'll offer this much. And if it's something you can't refuse, like, I think he would take it. Like if they up their offer significantly to something that he's comfortable with. I mean, he doesn't really have to do much. The agent just tells him the number and he'll say yes or no. I mean, it's not like he's going to have to negotiate on his behalf really. So I understand the principle for not talking about it during the season, but if they like came in with an offer, he couldn't refuse. I don't think he would say no either. I mean, let's see, man. We all know how stingy Mr. Steinbrenner can be Mr. Hal Steinbrenner, Mr. I <laughs> like to keep money for myself and for my private yachts and my, all my private expensive toys, but I don't like to spend it on the actual team. We all know how he can be. So let's see. 
let's see how this all plays out, man. I'm hoping, hoping, praying that Aaron Judge remains a Yankee long term and 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 for the rest of his career. Like he is a Yankee. Like he's a guy I could not picture in another uniform. So let's see. Let's yeah. see. Let's hope they get it done. I'm still holding out good faith that they'll figure that out. There's one last thing, and I think it's a good transition to the end of our show. Uh, someone asked about Miguel Andujar, and then I'll do a little summer set, then we'll get going. I'll be brief with this one. So they asked, why can't Andujar get up here? He's in the cover of the balls down there. has like four homers, eight ribbies, and his OPS 861. I mean, this is just a dead entire topic to me. Yeah, this is really simple. He put he doesn't have a spot in the major league roster still. Like you're not going to play him in left field over Joey Gallo as much as the Boomers want that. And I actually think Gallo's going to go yard tonight as an X factor. He's heating up, so I'll give a little nugget there. Um, he's doesn't he's not playing third base over JD or DJ. Obviously, he's not a first baseman. We have enough DHs, so I mean it's a tired topic. I mean they really just need to trade him. Like it doesn't make any sense. I'm I'm about done with this one. I agree. I agree. I, I, and if you're going to hold on to him because you want to maximize his value, go ahead. But I mean, I agree. He has no spot on this roster, on the major league roster. And and actually our, our good friend, Sean and me talked about this in a past episode. Um, and he pretty much, you know, summed it up the way you did that. I mean, what are you going to do with him? There's, there's literally nothing for him. And to quote Sean, you know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit because I don't remember his exact words. Um, shout out, Sean, by the way. Hope your honeymoon went good, brother. Um, he pretty much said that you need to do right by Miguel and Duhar and send them somewhere where he can have a chance to play and have a chance to make a career for himself. You know, he that's the best you can do for him. If you're the Yankees, like do right by him. You're you're never going to have him up here. Give him a chance to actually be a major leaguer. Trade him somewhere where he'll get playing time. I agree 100%. And me and Sean have had this conversation too. And I echo everything you just said. Hope everything's going well for him. I think he's going to hop back in Friday potentially. But um, yeah, bro, I mean, we and him have had the conversation. We've exhausted ourselves. We said trade him to the Pirates. Like they could use an extra hitter. Like why can't we just send him there? Like whatever they'll give us. I mean, they he can hit in their lineup right now. I mean, it's a couple lower tier teams he could hit for. It's just I don't. They're not going to maximize his value that much. Everyone knows what he is. He can hit well. He doesn't play defense. That's not going to change really. So I don't understand really. I just don't. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, they got rid of everyone else. He's the only one that got left behind, unfortunately. I do feel bad. They knew they do need to do right for him. Like you get rid of Luke Voigt when no plates. You get rid of Tyler Wade, who we were sick of after everything and all that. But like you get rid of Clint Frazier, who was out of sorts. And then Gary Sanchez finally. But you don't move Andrew for some reason. Like he was the only thing you left behind. I agree. I mean, let's see, man. Let's see. I mean. I feel like it's inevitable. Like I am on the same boat as you and Sean. I feel like it's inevitable. I think he will ultimately wind up get, getting traded. It's just a matter of time. It's got to be by the trade deadline at least. Like I really hope he doesn't have to suffer through the whole season. We shall see. <laughs> so I'll bring up two notes about the Patriots quick. Uh, Randy Vasquez won the pitcher of the week at five and two thirds scoreless innings. Been pitching well this year for double A with uh 17 K's and 19 innings, CRA is under two. 
And another guy I've mentioned to you before is Johnny Brito has been lighting it up as well. He has a 1-4 ERA, and he's got 27 Ks in 25 innings. I will be back out there tomorrow, hopefully to get a Derek Dietrich interview, who's been ripping it up for the Patriots. has like seven or eight homers right now. We'll see how he continues to progress. But um, I'm excited to get back out there. It's always good. Um, they've been playing great ball. They're 21-11. They're going to play the Reading Phillies, and I think Mitch Spence is pitching tomorrow, so that'll be fun. And they have a two-and-a-half game lead on the Harvard, Hartford Yard Goats, I believe. So that's um, that's a cool situation to monitor down there. We definitely look forward to that, Julian. We always look forward to the stuff you put out on Twitter, man, the, the interviews, the, you know, previews and – reviews of of the series that you put out there man we definitely look forward to seeing those again brother thank you yes i'm gonna be back uh i've had my difficulties uh we finally battled through i mean i'm not 100 still but i gotta keep it rolling it's been like two weeks off so like i'm ready to get back now uh we're gonna do a recap tonight this is gonna serve as our preview i think it's a well one so speaking of that enrique tip off the series probables Yes, sir. So to finish this this uh, episode off, because I know we briefly touched on tonight's matchup of Severino and Kyle Bradish, but we really didn't get to dive into the rest of the series. Um, it's a four game set. Tomorrow you got Jamison Tyone against Spencer Watkins, who's 0-1 with a 5.19 ERA in 26 innings pitch. So even worse than Kyle Bradish, that should be a dub. <laughs> <laughs> um, then the final two games of the series are a little more interesting. You got Gary Cole versus Jordan Lyles on Wednesday. Jordan Lyles, as everyone knows, you know, veteran, uh, has not had a good year for Baltimore. Like a lot of the pitchers haven't had a well, good year. He's not good at all. I mean, yeah, it's not no, new. No, no. They only signed them to give, to give them length and to give them innings, which he's done. He's pitched 39 innings for them but has a 4.38 ERA and, and a two and three records. So that should be a dub, especially if Garrett Cole pitches yeah, you the way he pitched one. over the weekend. Yes, that has to be a dub. And then on Thursday, you got your toughest test. Um, You got Jordan Montgomery against Bruce Zimmerman, who uh. has given us fits. Like that guy, I'm already tired of that guy, and we're in the uh, beginning of the season. Like, and Monty's pitching that one worries. I'm already getting odds thinking about that game because we don't yes. score for Monty, and Bruce Zimmerman's been pitching well. He's like their ace now. I feel bad about the John Means situation too because I yeah. like John Means, but Zimmerman's been a good surprise for him at least. They need something, so let them Bro, hold on to that. He's got a 272 ERA. I mean, literally, he's their best pitcher right now. No, like, he's actually wise, good. He's their yeah. best pitcher. So, and, and, you know, he's giving us fits. He went, uh, who can forget that game on Sunday when me, you and John were watching the Tarpons and he was lighting us up. Remember it was yeah. him against Cortez and he shot us out. Yep. 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 So that is the one game of the series that worries me, but I still think you could get that win, especially if, and it's a big, if the Yankees actually give, Jordan Montgomery some run support God yeah (laughs) that's a monumental one that's the biggest challenge for the Yankees this year um I think they've scored eight runs in his starts this year which is just absolutely terrible and embarrassing I just can't even explain it It makes no sense I don't understand why this continues to happen um it's just it's one of those weird things it goes back to last year too 
he had eight wins last year. His ERA was like in the threes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then one other thing that worries me about that particular game is that it's a day game after a night game. Oh, it's a 1235 God. start. Oh. So, I mean, we'll see. Listen, worst case scenario, you should come away with three wins in this series. You know what I'm I saying? I hope Even it's a sweep, but if you're going to lose. One, yeah. If Go you're going to lose one game, it's that one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I completely concur with you. You should come away with at least three wins out of this series, even if you lose that final one. So I get, I'm glad we're both, you know, we're both there. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we both agree. So, I mean, yeah. a sweep is what you should do, but at least win these first three games. Um, for those of you that don't know, Baltimore did have a nice win recently um they beat st louis they won their series against them which that surprised me when i mm-hmm. saw that and you know they're playing better ball in their last 10 games they're five and five with that win against st louis and you know they did beat minnesota so i mean they're playing better to every yankee fans liking they're playing better than the last place Boston Red Sox. Yes, I'll say that again because it just feels so good coming out of my mouth. The last place Boston Red Sox. So, I mean, they are playing better ball, but still, you should win this series. You should sweep this series. No questions asked. You have to, bro. No questions asked. So, um, I think we're about good, probably. I would yep. say, um, I think we've done everything we can do today. I think it was a good show. And Freaky, thanks for having me, bro. Uh, I'll throw my plugs quick. I mean, out in the field is the Twitter and my solo podcast, which I'm working to do more with. That's been on a lull because of some stuff that's happened. Julian Guardi won Twitter. Julian Guardi will have an Instagram. And I'm excited for tonight. Like you said, three or four to minimum. One last show note is that Zimmerman's pitched nine in the third. He's given up uh, around three runs. His ERA is 289. He has 11 Ks against the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah. Again, he's given us fits. So he's. He's been good, but I, I still feel like we could beat him. Um, thank you, Julian. Thank you for hopping on with me, man. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. Um, like you said, everyone should follow those socials. Everyone should follow your work, man. Um, thank you. For, for those of you that don't follow me, it's Elijah's dad, NYY, on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, obviously, follow us. We are at the hottest Kina pod, both on Twitter and Instagram. And um, be sure to like rate and review the show and tell all your friends that are Yankee fans, especially if you're on iTunes, we really appreciate those likes and reviews, you know, give us those five-star reviews and ratings. We definitely appreciate it. And it definitely helps us put out more shows. So You know, thank you for listening. And until later in the week on Friday, most likely from me and Julian, we'll talk to you then. Go Yanks. Hell yeah.